0: We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We've been there. We'll continue to be there for another week or so. There's just so much information as we're spending the whole year in the book of Acts looking at the birth of the church. Last week we talked about the fact that the church was born on the feast day of Pentecost. That is the... Day of in-gathering, the Thanksgiving day, when people were brought in. That idea of the beginning of the church, people were brought in. That it was also the actual physical birthday of Jesus. That it was also the day that Moses received the Ten Commandments. It was the day that God put the rainbow in the sky for Noah. And if you go back to Exodus chapter 32... When Moses gets the Ten Commandments, he comes down from the mountain. The people are, have lost their minds. You remember that story? Yeah. There's sin going on all over the mountain. And it says that 3,000 men were struck down that day. Same day. We come forward almost 2,000 years and we see on the same day, God brings redemption and 3,000 men Are saved, all right. So we see how God works throughout history, Alright? Now, I I, want to start with this. I don't, I don't know if you guys are aware. My dad, my dad had the same ladder. This is crazy. You and I, you and I have probably bought, sold, thrown away. My dad has the same hammer when he, when from when I was a kid, he has the same ladder. Some of the rungs are broken off. He'll fix the rungs or maybe he won't fix the rungs. But he's still got the same ladder he bought in 1959. It's it's crazy, all right? But I don't know if you know this or not. You have to know something about the National Ladder Association to know this kind of stuff. All right? Over the last few years, the rungs on the ladder have actually moved up an inch over the last 20 years. Did you know that? I don't even want to tell you. (laughs) Appearing to have something to do with climate change. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how do I transition out of that? Looks easy out there. All right, stand up. Let's dig into this text. So here we go. So Peter's preaching. We've talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit came in tongues of fire, and all the disciples began to speak in other languages. We got Peter speaking in Arabic, somebody else speaking in Turkish, somebody else speaking in Greek, somebody else is speaking in Cyrene, the language of North Africa. We got all the gospel going out. So the first response is, oh, they're crazy. And Peter said, no, they're not crazy. Second response. They're drunk. Not drunk, it's nine o'clock in the morning, and you can talk to each other and find out that they're actually speaking in languages. So here's the conclusion Peter says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, that be us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message and were baptized, about 3,000 men were added that first day. You can be seated. So Peter talks about assurance. That's where it starts off. This is the gospel as clearly as you could get it. The people finally realize they're not crazy, they're not drunk. We really did just hear the gospel presentation in all of these different languages. We do know that Jesus did raise from the dead. And so collectively they come up with this question. The only question that matters, the biggest question you'll ever be faced with, what must we do to be saved? We want to go to heaven. And there's so many people that have been fooled and lied to by crazy preachers and TV preachers and online preachers. Raise your hand. Say this prayer. 1968, I raised my hand. I'm fine. No, he made this same Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. But what's the first word? Lord. Lord. So when you and I accept Him, we are accepting both, both natures. Both the Lordship that He has in our lives and the Messiahship, the salvation. So those two come together. So there's a transformation that is taking place. But Peter said you can be assured of one thing. What you can be assured of is Jesus. Jesus is the solid rock. That resurrection, you hear people all the time, old book, old people, you can't trust that Bible, it's got so many mistakes, so many flaws, but they never give you a verse. Never! Neil deGrasse Tyson, great physicist, right? He's the, he's the new, he's the new charger. If, if Billy Graham were an atheist, this is what Billy Graham would sound like. This guy takes to the stage and he delivers the most evangelistic messages you will ever hear. Always against God. Always against the gospel. But it's like, Neil, why are you trying, why are you so passionate? I mean, if you want to, you don't, if there's nothing there, why be so worried about it? Why are you so worried about me? Why are you worried about me wanting to do my thing? But I watched an hour of his evangelistic meeting the other day. It was frightening. This is how, I'm using his slides. He comes out on stage and he shows this. He says, despite what everybody's telling you in America, you see the current polls, you know, less people are going to church, less people are Christians, less people are interested in anything. He said, the truth is, if you really push Americans, 90% of Americans are still religious people. Now, that doesn't mean they're sold out to Christ. That doesn't mean they're sold out to a church. It just means if you really push them, yeah, I do believe in God. I do believe in the Bible, even though they really don't have a handle on much of anything. And then he puts this up. If you get educated, all right, so he's starting to take shots at us now. If you get educated, only 60% believe. If you're a science-educated person, it's only 40%. And then he talks about himself. I love it when people do this. He's so contrite here. Religious elite scientist, it drops to 7%. So a guy stands up and asks him a question. He said, don't you find it interesting that even after all of the indoctrination, there's still 7% that believe? And he said, no, I think you're asking the wrong question. How dumb can these people be? It's an evangelistic crusade. What's he so afraid of? And why is it so strong? Why is it that the more secularized education you get, the less likely you are to believe in God? Now, I know that's not true here because there's a boatload of education here in this room. But statistically, he's right on. Because the more education you get in a secular culture, the harder it is to hang on to your faith. That is true. You've got to know who you are and what you believe. And that's no different than the world that Peter lives in. And Peter said, you can be assured of this. It's a solid rock that Jesus came back from the dead. He is both Lord and Christ. You can take it to the bank. Now, sometimes we really need to know that. We need to know we can trust the Word of God. We can trust the story of Jesus. We can trust that our salvation is secure. Now, people want to go down this rabbit hole, and and this is where throughout history things have gone crazy. See, those Jewish people killed Jesus. Those Roman people, they killed Jesus. Well, they did. Both of those statements are true. What put Jesus on the cross? It was our sin. The Jews didn't have the power to put Jesus on the cross. Romans did not have the power. They thought they did. But it was our sin. Jesus willfully went to the cross. It was our sin. And he makes that very clear. So don't point fingers at the Jewish people or the Roman people. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. Jesus said it this way. He said, here's what you've got to look out for. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. you seen any of that lately? The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Well, what am I going to stand firm on? I better have a rock to stand on, don't you think? I better have something firm to stand on. And what you and I have is both the Word of God, the story of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and that's why they're constantly going after trying to undermine the authority of the biblical text because if the Bible's not true, we have no faith. And what's astounding to me is that the biggest... Culprits that are doing it are standing in American pulpits. I don't get it. If you don't believe the book, just go home. Let somebody else preach. But you can be assured of this. This Jesus who you crucified, He is both Lord and Christ. So what do we do? What do we do? That's the next question. And the answer is, you ready? You hope you're writing this down. This is brilliant. Be decisive. Be decisive. If you're going to ask that question, if you're going to ask a question like that, what do we do to be saved? Peter did not blink. Peter said what? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, that your sins will be washed away. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is for you, your family, your friends, and all who are far off throughout history. And here we are 2,000 years later Now this is, this is great stuff Okay, but let's, let's, start, let's start at the beginning Because the real command here is the first word The command is to repent That's the word It's to repent Now I've, I rarely ask you to do this And I'm not trying to pull anything But just, just close your eyes I want to say some really hard things Alright, just close your eyes Nobody, I don't want to look into anybody's eyes and think I'm picking on you. All right. The word repent, it does not mean to be I'm sorry. It means I'm going to change. I'm in the process of changing. I'm going to change my sexual habits, sex outside of marriage, sex, extra sex, pornography, alcohol, drugs, bad language, Whatever else is coming through your head right now. All right, you can open your eyes. We go through that, and I'll tell you how the cycle works. So you do one of those things, and you feel sorry. And you go to God, and you say, I'm sorry I did that. That's okay. Godly sorrow is a part of repentance. But the word repentance means the change. So it's not enough to say, I'm sorry. And the problem is, in our churches today most sins have been legalized so you don't even have to say you're sorry anymore you just say hey god thanks for changing the book yeah but he didn't change the book repentance god i am sorry and i'm going to change now some things i can change on a dime some things i've been trying to change for 40 years and some days i do better than others would you agree with that that's why the command is to repent. Baptism, then, is the simple step that follows that. A lot of you haven't done that yet. If you're watching online or you're here, you hit the button, I've decided in the service, you come up here. Last night, we had three people come up at the end of the service. and They were all baptized after the service. <clears throat> we expect God to do the same thing today i talked to another lady backstage she said i'm ready i'll be back next week cuz i need to make this decision i said yes you do but baptism is a response to god baptism is a response to jesus is lord and savior i can be assured of that repentance i'm ready to change you don't change before you're baptized the baptism is part of where the change is going to come from but that is part of the obedient process that has to take place along... Well, can I do this and not that? Well, why would you want to do this and not that? Isn't it a package? What's he say? Hey, what do we do to be saved? Repent and... Okay, there they are. And I think the order is very good. And the symbolism... When we baptize people in rivers and oceans... It's, it's easier because we talk about your sins being washed away. You can watch them at the waves... Um, here with the baptistry, it's a little different. The sins go into a filter and we have to clean the filter out, but it's, um, it's the same idea, but see, here's the, here's the thing. People have this idea that I need to be baptized and baptized. No, that's not true. Baptism is a one-time event after you're old enough to understand what sin is and you've accepted Jesus, you repent of your sin, then you're baptized. That's a one-time event. And we celebrate that. Because if we had to be baptized every time we sin, I used this analogy last night. Cord and I have been friends 40 years. We'd just have to stay in the baptistry and just keep baptizing each other. We'd just never get out. All right? That's just truth. That's why the first word is, is the command. What's the first word? Repent. Repent. I've been baptized... Now, Lord, I need to keep repenting. I have to keep changing. I'm going to find something else tomorrow that I've got to get right with you. And that repentance process is ongoing. 1 Kings 18. The prophet Elijah is up on top of a mountain. It's called Mount Carmel in Israel. And uh, it's exactly the way it was when Elijah was there 3,000 years ago. Nothing has changed. And Elijah has a confrontation with false gods and the people these are god's people be like the church okay and here's elijah who's been speaking truth to them for years and here's these false gods now listen interestingly enough these false gods were into two things sex trafficking and the killing of unborn and young children interesting right and this seems simple This seems really simple. God's people. Hey, God's people, which God are you going to follow? The God who loves you or the God who wants you to sacrifice your child to these sex gods and to be killed? No-brainer, right? Apparently not. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? The word there is limp. They were like limping back and forth, listening to both sides, because they couldn't decide. He said, if the Lord is God, follow Him. But if your sex-slaving, child-killing God is God, follow Him. But the people said nothing. Cowards. Cowards. Even in a face of a decision that drastic... They were so afraid for their own lives, they didn't even have the courage to speak up for the living God. He is both Lord and Christ, and you and I are called to be decisive. What must we do? Well, you need to repent and be baptized. 3,000 men responded on the spot. That's pretty decisive, don't you think? But I know so many people that have heard the gospel over and over and over again. No response, no response, no response. When do you decide, I need to do the right thing? And then the last part. I love this. Buckle in. Be warned. So Peter's not done yet. He's already made his case. This Jesus is Lord in Christ. What do we do? Repent and be baptized. Okay. And then it says Peter gets on a roll. Maybe he got excited. People are starting to listen to him. And he said, be warned. He said he pleaded with them. He begged with them. What did he say? Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Okay. Here's a picture of John Calvin. John Calvin, 16th century guy, people still talking about this guy. John Calvin taught that you don't get to decide anything. God decides who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. It's all randomly decided. All right, get rid of him. All right. If it's randomly decided, and God's already decided, you're in and you're out, then why would Peter beg and plead with people to save themselves why wouldn't he just say well if you're meant to be saved you'd be saved you'd listen to me he begged and pleaded well how do i save myself by accepting jesus as lord and savior by repenting of my sin by being baptized all right am i making anything up am i making sense to everybody Is there another scripture? Surely there's something else I want to say. Oh, yeah, Jesus. I got one more more Jesus quote. Jesus said, don't be afraid of the one who can kill the body, but be afraid of the one who can kill both body and soul. All right. Let's talk about your brain just for a minute. All right. Our brains are the most complex machinery that's ever been built. All right. Now, there it is. I didn't want to get gross. We could have come up with lots of different pictures, but that's the simplest thing that we could come up with. Uh, We're still trying to figure out what goes on inside there. But here's what we found out. Are you ready for this? Your brain makes one quadrillion decisions every second. One quadrillion decisions. It's a lot of zeros. Feel free to write that out. I mean, that means I'm seeing, I'm thinking, I'm hearing, I'm seeing all of you, I'm seeing all the colors, I'm able to see all kinds of things, my processing things in the back of my head, there's things going on that I have no idea what's going on. A quadrillion decisions a second takes 20 watts of power to keep your brain going and it takes 25% of the oxygen in your body just to keep your brain functioning. Which came first? Which evolved first, your lungs or your brain? Because one won't work without the other. And how do you evolve a brain that can make a trillion, a quad trillion decisions in a second? You don't. Only the creator of the universe puts together something like that. Now, here's what I want to get to you. I just want to get one of those... Quadrillion decisions today to be about you and Jesus. That's my goal. So, we're going to have somebody in the baptistry waiting because we're just assuming. All right? We'll be ready. You come up here to the decision online. We've got people ready to help you. If you're watching online, maybe you need to come to the next service. I don't know what it is. And I don't know where you're at in this process. Is it time to repent? Is it time to be baptized? Is it time to get back with the Lord? I don't know where you're at. I just give you the word. Father, I pray that those quadrillion decisions, they are a gift. The brain itself is a gift. Our bodies are a gift. Our hearts are a gift. Lord, I don't know why it's so hard for us to repent. I don't know why it's so hard for us to To admit that we're wrong and you're right and we need to change. But I pray that today we would all humble ourselves and we would put ourselves into your hands and we would be like those 3,000 that said right then and there, we will be decisive in Jesus' name.